Welcome to episode four of Elise's Point podcast. I'm your host, Elise Squirrel, PhD candidate, Canadian mental performance consultant, and sport karate athlete. Each week, I present a monologue of different topics that focus on point sparring aspects of sport karate. I want to stress that although each episode stands alone, this podcast should really be listened to as a whole. This project is meant to be informative, thought-provoking, and cause reflection. Keep in mind that some of the content is based on my observations and experiences from years of training and competing as a competitive athlete in sport karate. This means that it doesn't necessarily pertain or is applicable to every stakeholder within the sport. The overall goal is to promote a safe, healthy, and rational sport structure for future sport karate athletes. So let's start. Episode four. Anyone can do this? Coaching in sport karate. One of the most underrated professions is coaching. Maybe it is because it has close ties to teaching, or maybe the majority of coaching is on a volunteer basis. Or maybe there is an assumption that anyone can do it. It's easy, you might think. It most certainly is not. At the grassroots level of sport, the majority, if not all of coaching positions, are voluntary. The prerequisites can include having a child on the team, having experience playing the sport, and or having love for the sport. However, in all of these instances, there is very little formal training, which is why it makes sense why people view coaching as a profession that almost anyone can do. That is what the grassroots level of sport has taught us. Yet knowing that coaches have so much influence over the positive youth development among their athletes, as well as the way their athletes view the sport or any other sport for the rest of their lives, the mentality of anyone can be a coach is very strange. Most karate instructors have more training and knowledge about their sport than many voluntary youth coaches in other sports. Youth sport is meant to help learn the fun dementals to play the sport while building internal characteristics such as sportsmanship, teamwork, respect, work ethic, motivation, and so on. The emphasis is on fun and enjoying the activity. A good instructor is able to guide their students to learn these characteristics. But what happens when the students start to become competitive? And this is where sport karate coaches may lack the skills to coach. There is a blurred line between coach and teacher, especially within the martial arts system. You can be an exceptional instructor and mentor, but not a good coach. One of the most recognizable differences between coaching and teaching is that competition is not present in teaching, but competition is a central focus in the coaching process. 
and competition is always changing and always progressing. Why is that? Coaching is a dynamic and systematic process that involves observation, assessment, development and implementation of a plan of action, and reassessment. And this changes for different ages, skills, individuals, gender, and so on. Many coaches have no idea what I'm talking about or have never done this before. It's because they probably lack training as a coach at a competitive level. So what makes a good coach? Experience competing in the sport is important to have, but experience is not always transferable to coaching. Many of the best athletes of all time did not make it as a coach. For example, Wayne Gretzky, also known as the Great One, regarded as the greatest hockey player of all time, is also regarded as a poor coach. Why is this the case for some athletes? The reason might be that the meaning behind executing technique is formed through knowledge that becomes so ingrained that as an athlete, you have forgotten how it was developed in the first place. At that point, it would be like walking. So how would you teach relearning how to walk without it seeming like common knowledge? If you watch many elite athletes' interviews, the majority of their responses to how they did a technique don't actually explain how they did the technique or what they were thinking at the time of implementation. They just did it. Although, to tell an athlete to just do it beyond basic drills does not allow the athlete to perform the technique appropriately in a live sports setting. Good coaches of elite athletes are capable of analyzing these techniques and experiences in order to be able to assist in an athlete's individual development. What may work with one athlete may not work with another. It has to be comprehended past the basics to fighting intelligence. You cannot repeat basic drills and then spar for an hour and expect your mature elite athletes to progress past a certain level. In addition, it should be recognized that losing does not solely fall on the athlete. If an elite athlete does not perform to his or her ability, there is some responsibility that falls on the coach. It is difficult to watch coaches distance themselves from an athlete's loss in order to stop themselves from questioning their own capabilities as a coach. You messed up. You need to work harder. You didn't do anything. This is terrible feedback a coach can provide to an athlete. And we should all stop pretending that this is for the good of the athlete. What are things the athlete could have done differently? How can you, as a coach, prepare your athlete better? Let's get hypothetical. What would happen if a rule was implemented 
that didn't allow coaches to coach during matches in tournaments. Assuming this is based on the idea that the coach has done everything to prepare their athlete, and if the athlete is the best, then they should win without a coach. That decision would be created not understanding the role or importance of a coach. Let's break it down. In sport karate, the matches are two minutes, possibly two two-minute rounds. Within the match, there are two competitors fighting in a ring, throwing kicks and punches at each other, battling not only each other, but their own mentality, while surrounded by a cheering crowd. Not to forget that there are also points being called by three referees who might see and not see different techniques, scorekeepers who may or may not stop time, and who also might forget to give you a point. And there is probably more than that. Like a screaming parent. That is a lot of external information to keep in mind when the goal to gain the most points is limited to a two-minute and sometimes two two two-minute round. It is difficult for athletes to keep focus on their objective while juggling all of this information. The coach's role is to guide and adapt the athlete's strategy, fight the referees, figuratively, keep track of the time and the score, among other things, so that their athletes are able to focus on playing the game. Why not give your athletes more chances to succeed and perform at their best? What is another sport that does not use a coach during gameplay? That is, a live match between a team or individuals. Tennis? The coaches definitely coach still. However, tennis matches last between one and three hours. That leaves the athletes enough time to adjust their strategy. That is a lot different than the two minutes or two two-minute matches that are in sport karate. What about coaching adults? What sport karate organization in North America still commits to training their adult fighters? For adult point spar athletes who want to remain competitive, a very old-school method of training has the adult take it upon themselves to create their own training regimen. This is still an ongoing practice. It is a terrible mentality to not invest in your adult competitive program. And this is because it might stunt the adult's growth in the sport, or the adults will lose interest in competing completely. This happens a lot. As a transitioning athlete, from junior to adult, it can be quite a shock to learn that as an adult, you don't have access to a coach to train you. And this is probably the group that needs a coach the most. Relationships may change to become more cooperative in nature, but the dynamic of coach and athlete is still needed. Many adult coaches are also still competing. They are coaches while balancing being a competitive athlete. 
which makes it difficult to focus on developing an adult competitive program or other competitive adult fighters. Teammates have a different dynamic than competitor and coach. One dynamic encourages healthy competition, and one dynamic ideally encourages cooperation. For instance, adults training together are still focused on their own self-development and are not being an outside lens to focus on others to see what others can do to improve or to strategically build a system that helps others improve. And that is okay. Because as a competitive athlete, it isn't your job to help or cooperate with others to a point to strive for excellence. Athletes need to be selfish to a point and focus on self-improvement in order to achieve the goals they want. I would also like to note, this is different from being a bad sport. What other sport does this to their adult competitors? An athlete does not progress to adulthood to discover that they have no more that they need to learn from anyone else. We need quality coaches for the development of our sport. And that is acknowledging that coaches are valuable. Investing in knowledge progression for coaches and aspiring coaches and realizing that having a good coach in an organization is sometimes better than having the world's best athlete. It is more admirable taking multiple competitors and making them competitive than finding a naturally talented athlete and riding their coattails. Seriously, go learn from karate schools who are investing their efforts into developing their coaches and their coaching systems. Guaranteed, any current competitive adult elite points bar has a good coach in their corner. I would like to end the podcast with a question. What are the aspects that you look for in a good coach? Thank you for taking the time and listening to Elise's Point. Check in every Monday so you don't miss any episodes. Does this topic resonate with you? Have any thoughts? Anything that came up while you were listening? I would love to hear about them. Please leave a comment on Elise's Point Facebook page I'll talk to you next week. The references to this information are included in the description of this episode. Music by Atch. And a big shout out to Oliver for letting me use his recording space. <laughs>